Welcome to another episode of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, aka MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOT. And this week we're going over UFC Vegas 44, headlined by an awesome bantamweight scrap between Jose Aldo and Rob Font. Really can't wait to see how that fight goes down. And not to mention a scintillating co main event between former training partners Brad Riddell and Rafael Faziev. A couple other great fights sprinkled out throughout this card. A 15 fight slate headed your way this weekend. And I can't wait to get back into the action as we did have a weekend off this past weekend with that said let's get into the recap of the weekend prior for ufc vegas 43 where we did scrape a little bit of profit on the night uh on a night that we actually did not have a lock of the night play however if we did we probably would have cashed it so let's start off with the l's let's get the bad stuff out of the way first right uh the dog of the night plays really shit the bed first and foremost the under four and a half in the tate and Vieira fight uh didn't really go the way that i expected it to Vieira showed great cardio from minute one to minute 25 and uh, she was able to shuck off the takedown attempts of misha tate uh and uh yeah you know even katlin Vieira, I, I thought she'd be able to get tate out of there early she was unable to and we saw this fight go on for 25 minutes so we whiff on the under four and a half. Next up, Tucker Lutza had one year on him at plus 110. Pat Sabatini did a great job in terms of grounding the fight and really grinding out Tucker Lutz there. Lutz just was not able to get his game going. Hats off to Pat Sabatini, who continues to improve on a fight-to-fight basis. And then lastly, I took a 0.5-unit shot on Sam Hughes at plus 350 over Luana Pinheiro. I was happy that we got out of round one. Uh, round two was damn near close to being an hour round as, uh, uh, unfortunately, Leona per- Luana Pinheiro was able to drop her at the ending of that round and take that round. And then in the third round, I thought Sam Hughes won that round. I saw a couple 30-27s on the scorecards, which didn't make sense to me. I thought it was 29-28 Pinheiro, to be honest but we were very close to hitting that in my opinion however the the luana pinero fade does not stop with this fight again we're only going to get better fighters now to fade her with and if you're going to continue to give me plus 250 plus 300 against her i will fade her accordingly but i'll be a little bit more selective in terms of the fighter that i'm choosing to fade her with so minus 0.5 units there so all in all uh minus 2.5 units on the underdogs but luckily we had two more plays on the card that allowed us to end up in profit the first of which which was a parlay I had one unit uh, on a parlay of uh, uh, Tyler Santos. Uh, obviously, she goes out there and starches Joanne Caldwood uh, in the first round, so great win for us there. And then Rafa Garcia really gutting it out in that third round and being able to pull off the decision victory there. So that cashes for 1.41 units. And then lastly, this was going to be my lock of the night play if I were to have one. It was Lopito Godinez. I had 2.5 units on her at minus 167. That catches for 1.5 units going exactly the way I expected it to. And now Godinez has my complete uh respect and i will look to back her in, in future fights as she is really that fighter that i believe that she could be um and, and she did and she showed it this uh, this past weekend or two weekends ago depending on when you guys are listening to this so all in all plus 0.41 units uh seven percent roi on the night again we end up in the green i'm good enough and happy enough with that we just need to dig ourselves out of this hole to to make sure we end up in the green for 2021 as we only have three events left in this calendar year so uh got some picking up to do already got my bets placed on the patreon the obviously the plays will drop for free uh on my social media accounts uh, on friday evening so if you guys don't want to wait for that long and wait you know uh, hesitant about potential line moving or anything like that check out the patreon that's why i'm plugging that now five bucks a month you guys get a lot of uh bang for your 
Bowie Buck there, a great Discord community as well to make some friends with and, and talk other sports as well. So shout out to everybody on the Discord. But we got a, a massive amount of support over there. Um, so yeah, make sure you guys check out the Discord. Link is in the, uh, sorry, the Patreon link is in the description below. And then lastly, uh, shout out to CoolBet, CoolBet.com. Use promo code MMALOTN2 and the match your initial deposit up to 200 bucks. It's a great site. You can bet props. You can parlay props. They have great lines as well. The majority of my uh, bets that I make is through that website as well. So make sure you guys check out CoolBet. Uh, once again, make sure you guys sign up and use promo code MMALOTN2. That's the number two, and they'll match your initial deposit up to 200 bucks. It is so weird trying to do this intro since I didn't do it last week. Um, yeah, it, it's always weird taking a week off and then get back into this chair and trying to get back into the groove of things. But we got three events left for the year, and I'm hoping to get back in the groove of things of even getting cash into our pockets as well. So, um, yeah, check out the breakdowns, and I'll see you guys on the flip side for the outro. Lewis Smolka versus Vince Morales. We got minus 150 on Lewis Smolka and plus 130 the return on Vince Morales. Now, I'm very much looking forward to this fight because I truly believe that this could be one of the better performances from Lewis Smolka that we'll see, especially considering the level of composition that he's getting here with Vince Morales. Now, Morales has a couple wins inside the UFC, most notably Eamon Zahabi and obviously his last fight against Draco Rodriguez. But those were fights where he was able to go out there and maintain his level of comfortability uh boxing in that boxing range uh that his opponents were allowing him to stay inside usually when vince morales has issues his opponents are kind of getting him out of that boxing range right vince morales was getting him at kicking range where he was able to really uh not vince morales sorry uh chris gutierrez was getting him at kicking range where he was able to just chew up that lead calf and obviously get him out of there due to leg kicks uh there were obviously other fights in the past domingo Pilarte, who's been able to take him down and then submit him in the second round and louis smoka given his style of fighting is not going to give Vince Morales the type of fight that he wants to win this fight. Now, Luis Mocha usually goes out there and really just pushes the pace against his opponent, stays in front of their face. He's usually at a speed disadvantage, but he's all really good at keeping the same type of pace from minute one to minute 15 or whatever minute it requires for him to get to to eventually get his opponents out of there. In the three fights that we've seen him win since returning to the octagon, we've seen that on full display. He moves forward, he eats some shots, and he's able to chug through it, and then he eventually gets his opponent to the ground and uses uses his superior jiu-jitsu to get him out of there whether it's with ground and pound or a submission of his own we've obviously seen Luis Swanko go out there and fight much more difficult opponents than what Vince Morales brings to the table which leads me to believe that this minus 150 could be a gift to us in hindsight I had to take the shot on it myself as I do believe that Vince Morales doesn't really deserve a spot on the uh, on the roster even though he does have a couple wins over some of these guys however once he actually fights guys that are not going to just let him play his game he's going to run into trouble and I think that Louis Smoker is the perfect example of a guy that will give him trouble I think Smoker will eat some shots early in this fight but I do think that his durability is good enough that he should be able to withstand those shots from Vince Morales who has not been much of a knockout threat as of late and I think after that, maybe in the second round, the takedowns will start to catch up to Vince Morales, and then that superior jiu-jitsu will be on full display from Luis Smoka, who should be able to either get a ground and pound finish or a uh, submission of his own. So uh, I'm looking at Smoka inside the distance, but even if it, his uh, money line at minus 150, I think is a solid, solid spot. Uh, I'd bet it up to 
minus 200 maybe even minus 220 maybe even minus 250 as i don't really think that vince morales brings much to the table that smoke needs to worry about now if vince morales had a little bit more to knock out power then i'd be a little bit more concerned considering at times that louis smoker is a little bit too hittable however vince is just you know he doesn't really have much on his shots i think smoker is going to keep him on his back foot and then eventually get him to the ground and then eventually get him out of there with some ground and pound or some source or a submission of his own so i'm going to go with louis smoker uh, and I'll take him to win this fight by second round submission. Jared Vandero welcomes Dana White Contender Series alum Azamat Mirzakhanov to the UFC for his first ever fight. Uh, and Mirzakhanov has gone through a little bit of a changeup. You know, uh, he was originally scheduled to fight Marching Prakneo. Prakneo pulls out, and that fight was supposed to take place at 205 pounds. In steps Philippe Lins at heavyweight. Mirzakhanov is accepting the fight at a higher weight class just to go out there and compete. Philippe Lins pulls out and ends up Jared Van Der now, and now we got Mirzakhanov going up against a much larger opponent. He's going to, uh, in terms of odds, we're looking at minus 210 for Mirzakhanov, plus 175 the return on Jared Van Dera. Uh, like I was alluding to, uh, Azamat will be very undersized in this fight. He's going to be at a 6-inch height disadvantage as well as a 9-inch reach disadvantage. So uh, a huge tough task for uh, Mirzakhanov to have to overcome in his UFC debut. But considering, you know, what the public is saying or seeing, uh, you know, Jared Vandero opened up around plus 220, plus 240, and a ton of money came in on him, bringing him down to a plus 175, which doesn't seem too bad of a spot here. Now, I think the way for Mirzakhanov to win this fight is if he goes out there and implements his striking because he's going to be the fastest of the two and his footwork should be good enough to keep him in and out of these uh, exchanges with Vandera where he should be able to get his strikes off and then get out of the way before Vandera is able to land uh, you know a, a combination and, and you know put up the numbers that he was able to similar to his fight against um against Justin Toffa for a couple fights ago, right? If you guys went, went back and, and watched that breakdown that I did for the Toffa and Vandera fight and anybody's breakdown for that fight, I think a lot of people expected Vandera to drag the fight to the ground if he was going to have any success there. However, he was able to put up really good numbers uh, against Justin Toffa. And it seemed like, you know, his game plan was throw a combination out there uh, or whenever there was a combination thrown his way from Justin Toffa, make sure he's throwing the same amount, if not more punches in, punches in return and always have the last laugh in terms of the the exchanges of the striking uh um scenarios um i'd be surprised if he does the same thing to mirza Khanov here who just has better movement than what justin tafo is bringing to the table and i do think that he'll be able to get in and out much faster than what tafo was able to do um if Mirzakhanov wants to go out and grapple with Vandera, I think that would be a bad move in terms of it's going to take him a lot of energy to try to get a much bigger man like Vandera to the ground and then even getting him to the ground. I think it'll be tough for him to kind of hold him in that spot. Um, I do think the best work for Azamat will come in the striking and that's where he should keep this fight because he should be the faster of the two. Um, and I feel like I should be more uh, confident in Mirzakhanov here, especially, you know, I haven't really thought highly of Jared Vandera recently. Um, but th this could be a fishy one. This could be one of those ones where we, you know, um, the, the size actually plays a difference. You know, one, one fight that this really reminds me of is Luana Carolina against Lupita Godina is a fight that we got a couple of weeks ago. Um, 
and that's a fight where we knew this more skilled fighter of the two was the smaller fighter in Lupita Godinez and in this case it's going to be Mirzakhanov however that size and that strength differential played such a massive part in that fight that the better fighter couldn't end up getting the victory and we could possibly see that happen here with Jared Vandero who's a very tough out and unless uh you know Mirzakhanov can go out there and Romanov his way to a victory which I'd be very surprised if he's able to have as much success as Romanov did uh, I think it's going to be tough for Mirzakhanov to pull it off my, my official prediction will be Mirzakhanov by knockout I do think he eventually finds that chin of Vandero within the first round of this fight but the longer that this fight goes the more concerns I'll have about Mirzakhanov being able to pull this victory off um, so personally this fight's a stay away from me you know Mirzakhanov can go on and, and be a very uh, solid fighter but you know he's getting up there in age I believe he's 35 years old if I'm not mistaken let me just quickly um uh confirm that because I do believe um that that is definitely something that we need to keep an eye on yeah he's 35 years old so again another guy coming into the UFC similar to Jeremiah Wells who's also fighting on this card uh they need to get it going now and getting a a very solid uh, knockout victory over Jared Vander should help him uh you know get get him going with that said this fight's taking place at a hundred uh heavyweight and this guy's actually a 205 or so i'm not sure how much it'll do for him rankings wise but at least it should get him something on his highlight reel so that people are looking forward to watching this fight and this guy compete again uh and hopefully start working his way up the rankings and maybe get a title shot sooner than later but i'm getting way too far ahead of the game right now he has vendera this weekend i'm picking him to win this fight by a first round knockout um but i'm keeping my money off this fight I, again rightful favorite but the, everything going into this fight short notice size discrepancy all that type of stuff it's enough for me to just sit back and watch this uh you know uh poor man's david versus goliath type of fight go down so uh, i like Mirzakhanov, and i'll take him to win this fight via first round knockout Claudio Poyas versus Chris Gritzmacher and we got a pick em fight here both guys coming in at minus 110 and uh for good reason this should be a somewhat of a competitive fight until one of them are able to kind of uh you know um set themselves apart and and get ahead of the game here and i think that guy is actually going to be claudio poyas now chris kurtzmacher is obviously coming off a tremendous victory over hafa garcia last time around where he came in as a pretty sizable underdog and as a lot of people believe that hafa garcia was going to go out there and knock him out just similar to what alex hernandez was, was able to do um a fight the, the fight before for chris kurtzmacher however uh he showed toughness grittiness and, and was able to go get through that first um barrage of strikes that Garcia threw at him that he could possibly got him got him out with um but uh Garcia was not able to and Gritzmarker was able to put the pressure on him in rounds two and three and squeak out a decision victory that night with Poyas he's coming off uh, handing Jordan Levitt his first ever uh, professional MMA loss uh and as a pretty decent underdog in that fight as well not a lot of people believed that he'd be able to deal with the BJJ of Levitt however it was Levitt that was not able to deal with the BJJ of Poyas and Poyas was uh, able to stay a step ahead the entire time whenever they got into grappling exchanges now both guys usually get their best work done when they get their opponents to the ground however i think that poyas with the slightly better striking game here could uh, really start to separate himself from chris gritzmacher in this fight landing the better strikes on the feet and then eventually landing some takedowns now gritzmacher has shown some durability and the ability you know and, and surviving uh you know certain spots especially when it gets to the grappling room most notably his fight against davi hamosh where uh, you know it took hamosh a long time 
time to finally sink in that rear naked choke. Not saying that Poise is going to be able to have the same success in terms of nabbing a choke, but I think he's going to have a little bit of trouble in terms of uh, keeping grits down. And even when he uh, does get back to his feet, I do think his striking should be able to bail him out of bad positions against Gritz Marker. And then I think he should be able to ground this fight over and over again, you know, getting the judges to, to, to side his way because he's just, you know, more active on the feet. And then obviously being the one that lands the takedowns. I don't want to completely write off Gritzmacher here because he could, you know, pull off his own antics here. If he's able to get back to his feet routinely and then maybe even land some takedowns of his own, he could potentially uh, put Poyas in some bad trouble as well. However, I do think that Poyas will be able to get back to his feet, uh, maybe even find some reversals as his, uh, of his own because I do think he might be the the better BJJ practitioner out of both of these guys. Uh, but I do think that his athleticism and his strength will be the difference maker here compared to the durability and the grittiness that grits marker will bring to the table so i took a small shot on poyas here at minus 108 so pretty much a pick em line uh but i do think that uh, this is uh should be slightly more in favor of poyas uh maybe minus 130 minus 140 for his side so i was more than happy to take a shot on him at these 50 50 yards i'm going poyas uh poyas via decision at plus 200 poyas uh via submission at plus 500 is not too bad of a shot either but i do think that the eventual outcome will be poyas getting his hand raised via decision Alonzo Menafield versus William Knight we got minus 140 on Alonzo Menafield and plus 120 on William Knight now these guys were scheduled to fight each other back in February of this year however one of them had to pull out both of them had to pull out I think they've had a couple times where they're where they were scheduled for uh to fight one another but due to COVID protocols the fight had to get pulled off and since then both of them have competed twice uh both of them uh why well, actually uh it was Alonzo Menafield that got a win over Fabio Charant where he was able to get a, a von pru choke and then after that he was able to go out there and beat ed herman over 15 minutes whereas on the flip side with william knight he ended up losing his first fight after these two these two were originally booked uh he ended up getting uh pretty much grounded and grapple fucked by daun jung and then after that he was able to go out there and put the lights out of uh, fabio Charant back in august um that was actually a fight that was live for if you guys remember i went back to the apex uh in august and and watched that gaslam and cannoneer card and that was the card that william knight fought fabio charant and um one thing that will always stick to me to this day is the one of the body kicks that uh, William Knight landed on Fabio Charant. It just rung through the entire apex. And uh, John Anik even made a comment about it when uh, when that uh, kick had occurred, saying, "You know, look, just listen to to that clap and listen to that 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 impact." And uh, again, I, I just remember out of the loudest shots that I heard that entire night, that is the one that stood out to me the most. Uh, with that said, that that's kind of William Knight's game. When he is in the striking room, he has some very nasty kicks, whether it's to the body or to the to the legs. But he does eventually want to, want to open you up and lull you into that overhand right. Uh, you know, even his lead left hook is pretty nasty, which he was able to catch Fabio Charant with, even while moving backwards and putting his lights out. Uh, so yeah, big big brick shit house of a man that you need to worry about in terms of his uh, uh, his his power. But the issue that I found with him uh, was his fight with Da Unyoung. He just kept getting taken down with the same exact technique over and over again, and just not did not have any answer for it. He just could not get back to his feet either. He did a couple times, but when he did, he was able to get dragged down to the feet or dragged down to the mat once again, and uh, he just could have nothing uh, going right for him in that fight. He even got his eye busted 
busted up pretty bad and Dalton Young was able to get that win via decision that night uh, Alonzo Menafield on the other hand showed that he can go a solid 15 minutes if he needs to and it all comes down to him not blowing his wad in that first round and I think that Safe Sayud has done a great job in terms of uh, kind of uh, you know, tempering his big uh, bursts and and allowing him to go 15 minutes. Like even in the first round of that Herman fight, you can see them do the coaches camp thing, and you can hear Safe Saud saying everything light, 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 so he doesn't throw everything into those shots and then ultimately gas himself out and gets finished in the second or third round. He was able to just beat up that lead leg of Ed Herman and then get that takedown in that third round to really do some uh, rough work uh, on Ed Herman and then take home that decision victory. If Manafield wanted to, I feel like the takedown could be there for him against a guy like William Knight, uh, but I think it's going to have to be a very calm and cautious approach from both guys. Uh, the over one and a half around minus 160 is something that catches my eye. I can see both of these guys having tremendous respect for one another, and then we see this fight go into the second and third round, and then and then they possibly start to pick up the pace but i do think that we'll see menafield uh try to trade kicks uh here with a uh, knight maybe start to open up with the strikes as well um but i do think that eventually menafield is going to get his hands around knight he'll be able to drag him to the ground and maybe do some do enough work from on top where knight's going to struggle to get back to his feet um not saying that's that's a lock by any means, but I feel like that's the that's the game plan that a guy like Safe Sayud can devise, especially when he sees the obvious hole in in William Knight's game that can be exploited here. Uh, so with little confidence, I am going with the Menafield side. Uh, I do think he grinds this fight out, and I do think we see him win this fight via decision. Cheyenne Vlismus going up against Mallory Martin. We got minus 180 on Cheyenne and plus 160 the return on Mallory Martin. Yes, it seems like there has been some uh, tumultuous times in the Bay's household, and it seems like uh, Cheyenne has officially decided to go back to her maiden name, and now she's going to be going by Cheyenne Vlismus. Um, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that name correctly because I haven't heard it on on any footage as of recently as they've been together for pretty long, uh, and they were obviously married, but it's it seems like uh, that JP Bays and her have decided to part ways and she's going back to her maiden name. So, um, this will be the last time that I refer to her as Bays. Uh, I'm going to be going with her, uh, going with uh, the Vlismus uh, name j just for accuracy's sake. Um, now, this is an interesting fight. Vlismus obviously had to pull out of her fight a couple weeks ago as she did test positive for COVID, and apparently it was quite bad. And she even came out in an interview saying that her lungs could possibly still be damaged by the time she steps into the cage this weekend, yet it's a sacrifice she's willing to make. And that's just not a good look for me, especially with somebody that's, that's going to be going up against a grappling-heavy uh, fighter. Uh, that could give Vlismus some troubles now. Vlismus, when she does have success, she's able to drag her opponents to the ground and really just smother from there and get some good work going from on top however we haven't really seen her offer her back except you know there's one uh fight on the regional scene where she was able to, to while she was content with playing off her back a little bit too long and just gave up the round uh and then obviously we know the Montserrat Ruiz fight where she just was not able to get out of that scarfold position but that's a fight that I'm just gonna write off right like we're never gonna see that type of scenario play out again unless Montserrat Ruiz steps back into the cage. So I'm going to give uh, Vlismus a, a mulligan on that. However, if we are to extract anything from that fight, it's the fact that she 
she does struggle at times to get off of her back but there isn't enough overwhelming evidence to go out there and be like okay plus 160 on Mallory Martin's a good spot here it could be a decent spot right I'm not paying minus 180 minus 190 on Cheyenne in this spot because again she's going up against the toughest grappler she's ever gone against and there is decent enough evidence to say that Mallory Martin could be the better wrestler of the two so if Lismus is not able to get the fight to the ground and Martin is what if Martin just grinds, grinds her out from on top? And that's where my concern lays for this fight. I wish I had a little bit more trust in Martin, though, as I do believe that her wrestling could get her to some solid spots. You know, she's been a big favorite over fighters in the past uh, just due to the grappling advantage that she's going to have. But if she does actually have the wrestling advantage here against Cheyenne, this could look like a one-way fight, and she could look like the minus 200 favorite by the time the decision is read in this fight. Uh Again, very little confidence in this spot, but I do like Mallory Martin to go out there and land takedowns and get the better of the grappling exchanges and then eventually grind this fight out. Uh, and that's tough for me to say, especially considering that I had Cheyenne as my uh, locker that I played last time around, which cashed, luckily enough, when she knocked out Gloria De Paula um, a couple months ago. I believe that was back in July. Um, but again, like I said, she, she hasn't fought anybody that's going to con consistently put her on her back and make her work to get back to her feet. And if she shows that she is not able to work back to her feet then things get a little bit iffy especially for a minus 200 favorite here so uh my money well not my money but my maybe my dgen money if i throw in a hail mary or uh what i like to call a gabby garcia parlay i'd probably be going with the mallory martin side i do think she could get the better of the grappling exchanges um not again not with a whole lot of confidence again not even to the point of playing the plus 160 you know especially if you're picking an underdog to win more often than not you should go out there and actually bet them i just can't trust mallory martin enough to to play that plus 160 line on her um so i am going to go with the mallory martin side uh, like i said i do think she'll out wrestle cheyenne buys in the spot i think if they do get caught up in these similar situations martin will probably end up on top and again, until Vlismas shows us that she can get out of these bad positions, it's going to be tough to back her at this minus 180 range, especially when she's going up against another grappler herself. So I'm going to go uh, Mallory Martin. I'm going to take her to win this fight via decision. Jake Matthews versus Jeremiah Wells. We got minus 165 on the Australian and plus 145 on Jeremiah Wells. Now, Jeremiah Wells is actually from the same training camp as uh, Jake Matthews' last opponent, Sean Brady. So I'm interested to see if they're able to take things from that fight and bring it on over to this to this fight. Funnily enough, both guys have a similar fighting style, which is drag their opponents to the ground and really get some work going from on top and either pounding them out, submitting them, or grinding their way to a decision. Jeremiah Wells uh, has a little bit of a sketchy gas tank and that gives me some concern however Jake Matthews is another guy that does start to slow down later in his fights especially when he's really powering his positions through in the first two rounds to try to ground his opponents and then eventually keep them there however I think that Jeremiah Wells presents a lot more trouble for Matthews on the feet especially with the power that he uh, that he holds but I do think that Jeremiah Wells will be good enough in terms of dragging this fight to the ground and really grinding him out probably for the first two rounds and then taking home a decision victory by surviving that third round again jake matthews in round three not anything to to run home about or anything like that i do think that uh uh jake matthews won't be able to to get matthews out of there uh sorry jake won't be able to get wells out of there the later that this fight goes um there's two ways you could possibly approach this fight well three ways actually betting jeremiah wells straight because betting an underdog straight is always the right thing to do especially if you think uh, they have a, a good chance of winning the fight but in terms of props uh round one is about plus 450 for jeremiah was obviously he's starched a couple of points in round one in the past but jeremiah was by decision at plus 600 
not too bad of a spot either, right? Jake Matthews is relatively hard to put away early in fights. He has been finished in third rounds in the past, but I just don't know if Jeremiah Wells will have that pop and that ability to put away his opponent in the third round, similar to what Anthony Rocco Martin and Sean Brady were able to do against Jake Matthews. Um, so I do think that we'll see a back and forth grappling fight here. It's going to come down to who lands the takedowns and who's able to get that top control going. However, I've seen Jeremiah Wells be able to explode out of bad positions in the past, and I do think that Jake Matthews will struggle to keep him down and then i think that he'll struggle to get back to his feet something that he wasn't able to do routinely against a guy like sean brady who trains side by side uh with jeremiah wells on a on a daily basis so um Jeremiah Wells is up there in age as well i think he's 34 35 years old at this point he's gonna have an eight year uh uh, wise advantage, uh, I guess, or I guess the flip side you can say is uh, uh, Jake Matthews will have an eighth year youth advantage, but it feels like Jake Matthews has just been around the, the globe for uh, for a while. I think 2014, he made his UFC debut, and here he is seven years later, still hanging around, not able to really crack that top 10, but stay around enough to, to uh, you know, play a solid gatekeeper role and that's possibly what he's going to be doing here against jeremiah walls but i think luckily for jeremiah walls he should be able to get past that gate so i'm going to go with jeremiah walls um i'll take him to win by decision i'll poke that decision prop a little bit as well again plus 600 crazy in my mind unless wells uh doesn't get him out of, bit, out of there in that first round i think that we'll see him grind him out over there about 11 minutes or so and then make his way to a decision victory so uh jeremiah wells by decision Brian Barbarena versus Darian Weeks. We got minus 125 for Brian Barbarena, plus 105 for Darian Weeks. Now, it's very interesting because I believe we saw uh, Brian Barbarena open up uh, in that minus 200 range and a ton of money flooding in on Darian Weeks. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Darian Weeks actually end up as the favorite come fight time. But I think that's a massive overreaction to the last fight of Brian Barbarena where he got grinding out in the first two rounds of his starting fight against Jason Witt rallied pretty well in that third round but was not able to get uh 10 eights on all the judges scorecards had a you know had a pretty damn good uh case for it concerning the amount of damage he was able to land however we did see jason Wedland opportune takedowns to really halt the the uh, aggression and that comeback rally that uh, brian barbarino was trying to muster up in that third round uh darian weeks five and oh had a lengthy uh amateur career as well he fights out of missouri uh not out of glory but he has trained with them a couple times uh but he has, uh, trains out of a, another independent gym out of there the guy is a wrestler has some pretty big uh striking uh power as well but i think in terms of level of competition this is going to be a massive step up for him and say what you want about brian barbarino the guy is still a very tough and wildly veteran that i think it's going to be tough for darian weeks to have as uh, much success as he's had in his excuse me in his five professional fights i think if darian weeks just watches the jason wood fight he can find enough confidence in that fight to go out there and land takedown takedowns of his own however i think he'll have trouble in terms of keeping barbarina down and once barbarina gets back to his feet i think he'll really start to put it on darian weeks now darian weeks's opponents mainly have been looking to take him down as they believe that that was the best way to you know stay away from the big power that he has on the feet uh but uh, all those opponents pretty much failed and darian week was darian weeks was able to get them out of there uh barbarina might get taken down a couple times early in this fight but i think the longer that it goes it benefits a guy like barbarina and i do think that he could go out there and probably finish this fight a little bit later on as well um 
Barbarino round three currently sits at plus 1100. That's probably the only stab I'm going to take on this fight. But I do think, think that there is a large skill discrepancy here. And the, the misconception that Barbarino is washed and done could be pushing people to be betting the Darien Weeks side. But I really don't think that Weeks at this moment in time has what it takes to cut it inside the UFC. Um, I do think that uh, Barbarino is going to be tough to put away. Uh, Weeks has had tremendous success in terms of getting guys out of there early in fights, but if he's not able to get Barbarino out of there early, I think he's going to struggle to maintain that uh, you know that that style that he has, and I think that we'll see Barbarino rally later in this fight and actually get that finish uh, compared to um, you know what he what he was in unable to do against a guy like J uh, Jason Witt. I like Barbarina here. Um, not with the most confidence. You know, there are a couple things that we need to worry about. Obviously, that weird procedure that he had for his stomach before the Jason Witt fight. We don't know if there's lingering effects for that. Obviously, he ended up losing that fight against Jason Witt. So, maybe there was something there. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm just... I'm just a little bit concerned uh, in terms of being fully invested in Barbarina here. He should win. Um, again, Weeks, still very green. Uh, not that young. I think he's in, I believe he's in his 30s at this point. Uh, he had a very lengthy MMA career or amateur MMA career, like I said. But again, th this is the toughest opponent he's going to have had faced. And I don't think he'll have as much grappling success as he's had in his uh, in his earlier career. So I'll go with Barbarina. I'll take him to win by decision. But I will be poking that round three prop as well. At plus on 1100 because you guys know I love me some round three props. Manel Kopp versus Zalgaz Zumagulov. We have minus 260 on Manel and plus 220 on the Kazakh fighter Zalgaz Zumagulov. Now, once this uh, the odds for this fight dropped, I was a little bit surprised at the line being as wide as it is, especially considering that uh, Manel Kopp has had some underwhelming performances in his first three stints or his first three walks to the octagon. But after running the tape... It's pretty clear that Manel Cap should win this fight should he go out there and fight to the level of his potential that we truly believe that he has. Zalgas uh, has pretty much been a point fighter for the last half of his career. His first eight or, or sorry, first six fights all ended via stoppage. Uh, but then since then, he's only managed to get one knock and a one submission uh, and has really reverted to being a, a, a point fighter. Goes out there and lands some good combinations and just tries to get the better of his opponents in those instances. But when he's not, he ends up coming up on the short end. With Manal Cap, I think he's going to be the faster fighter show the better footwork and i do think he'll be able to counter effectively here and land the better strikes on the feet uh to sway the judges in his favor but this fight could play out damn close if he's not able to put enough sauce on those strikes to truly make the judges see that he's landing the better strikes because Zalgas could potentially match him on the strikes here in terms of the amount of output it's going to come down to the amount of en uh, uh, impact that cop uh, is going to be landing compared to what Zalgas is going to be landing with the spot that I actually like the most in this fight is the over two and a half and the fight goes to decision I feel like this could be one of those fights where they're just staring at each other a little bit throwing pot shots every now and then but I do think that Zalgas shows very solid uh, durability he's only been knocked out once in his career he ended up rematching the same guy that knocked him out and ended up going the full 15 minutes against him which leads me to believe that maybe that was just an anomaly uh of a of a finish for him getting finished and then now on the 
on the Manel cap side of things, I just don't think that Zogas has the power to put on Cop and actually put him away in this fight. So I think we're just going to see a back and forth striking battle here. Maybe a little grappling going on between the two, but I do think that we'll see this fight go to the judges' scorecards, and I do think that it will actually be sided more so to the Manel cap side of things. As again, I think he'll be quicker to the punch. I think his footwork will get him out of bad positions against a guy like Zogas, who is a little bit more meat and potatoes with the striking approach, especially when he's like really in the thick of it. He likes to go out there and just you know throw shots and and really move his feet to. I want to call it robotically, but like uh, not the greatest footwork, um, but good enough to 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 beat, you know, some guys. But I don't think that he'll have as much success here against a more unorthodox fighter like a guy like Manel Cap. So um, I'm gonna go with Manel Cap. Um, I could say he's probably about minus 260, but what he's shown in past fights that even in fights that he should go out there and win, he fights a little bit too close to the level of his competition. Even the lone UFC fight he, uh, win he has against uh, Ode Osborne. He was losing that fight until he landed that beautiful flying knee. So um, a little bit cause for concern there. However, I do think that the durability of these guys will show pretty um, pretty well this weekend. And we'll see this fight go to a decision, which I've already parlayed with something else on this card. Uh, but I do think it will eventually be Manal Cap that gets his hand raised here uh, via decision. Dushko Todorovic versus Maki Patolo. We got minus 155 for Todorovic and plus 135 for Maki Patolo. Now, both guys, Dana White Contender Series alums that had high hopes and high potential coming into the UFC. However, both of them find themselves now, I believe, two and six in their uh, UFC career combined. I should say one and two for Todorovic and one and four for Maki Patolo. Now, uh, both guys, the wins that they actually hold over UFC fighters are not UFC fighters anymore. Daquan Townsend for Dusko Todorovic and Charles Bird for uh, Mackie Patolo. And funnily enough, Charles Bird, Charles Bird ended up retiring after that fight. So uh, the writing was pretty much on the wall for Bird in that fight regardless. Now, Mackie Patolo, strong puncher, good grappling as well if he needs it. Uh, and he's really able to put uh, the pressure on his opponents when he's able to have his success. Whereas Dusko Todorovic is a little bit of the polar opposite likes to keep his range likes to stay at distance and really kind of just chops down his opponent with his karate style blitzes forward at times and really gets his best work going at that point however it's really not worked for him over the last two fights Puna Holly Soriano was able to find that chin you know a couple minutes into their fight and then Gregory Todorovic was landing really good shots and pushing the pressure for the majority of the fight even landing a couple of takedowns at opportune moment opportune moments to secure rounds for himself as well Mackie Patola can do all of that you know, I think he can swing, I think he can strike, I think he can land on Dusko Todorovic, but I think his grappling and his clinch game will be his uh, uh, path to victory in this fight. He should be able to drag Dusko down, um, you know, time and time again, uh, sway the judges in his favor, and really put the fight on Dushko, making it very difficult for Dushko to get his karate style and space that he really needs to operate in his fights. Um yeah, I don't really know how much more to say about this fight. You know, I think it's going to come down to Makiptola getting his hands on Todorovic and Todorovic getting that space that he needs to operate. But I just don't think that's going to happen, especially with that small cage that we're going to be getting over there at the UFC Apex. So I do like Makiptola in this fight. I do think that he'll put that uh, put that pressure on Todorovic, really clinch him up against the cage, drag this fight to the ground when he can, but even really, uh, you know, use his leg kicks, which he's going to need to, especially to close that distance and really slow down Dushko. And then after 
after that, I think he should be able to grind on him, uh, drag him to the ground, get some, get some decent enough control time, good top pressure. And then if Dusko does find his way back to his feet, I do think that it'll just be a rinse and repeat type of thing here for Mackie Patola. So uh, I understand why the amount of money is coming in on Patola in this spot. Uh, you know, he was second or uh, a minute or two away from getting that win over Julian Marquez before he got club and subbed late there. Uh, you know, if that doesn't happen, he's riding, he, he could uh, get a two-fight winning streak going this this weekend if he's able to get his hand raised as well. But uh, he did end up losing that fight. I'd be surprised if he falls to something similar to Dusko Todorovic this weekend, uh, which is why I'm going to be picking Matt Capitolo, and I'll take him to win this fight via decision. Alex Morono versus Mickey Gall. We got minus 230 on Alex Morono and plus 190 the return on Mickey Gall. Let's start off on the Mickey Gall side of things, who's coming off a successful venture into the cage last time when he was able to dispatch a Jordan Williams via rear naked choke after stunning him within the first 60 seconds of that fight and then was able to, you know, take over after that as Jordan Williams really didn't seem to get his, uh, you know, he wasn't able to recalibrate after getting knocked down uh, early in that fight and then he obviously paid for it with the superior jiu-jitsu that was coming his way from the Mickey Gall side of things however when Mickey Gall doesn't have that striking uh, success the guy really starts to slow down a little bit um, not a little bit but quite a lot especially when he's going out there and getting grapple fucked by a guy like Mike Perry in rounds two and three two fights ago um I did back Mickey Gall in that fight as I do believe that uh you know I thought the strength that he was putting on and 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 the the you know the somewhat improvements that we've been seeing from him especially with his striking game was going to be able to be enough to get Mike Perry to the ground and grind him out however you know it just shows that he's really not that fighter that a lot of people were expecting him to pan out to be especially earlier in his UFC career he's put together a decent you know winning streak and being not a winning streak sorry a couple good wins inside the UFC guys like George Sullivan Salim Tahari and then obviously Jordan Williams last time around but honestly I still don't think that Mickey Gall would cut it in the top 20 of this this division and this Alex Morono fight is going to be a big wake-up call for him to do so um if he does go out there and you know fall in love with the striking just because he was able to get a uh, you know a, a good win over Jordan Williams which stemmed from his striking uh, if he tries to do that here against Alex Morono I think he's going to find himself in a world of hurt and even if he tries to take this fight to the ground I think that's just only going to accelerate the the issue of his cardio and then I think he's going to start to slow down and we'll see Morono take over there's been so many times in the past where I've wanted to back Morono or have backed Morono but I've really had a tough time in terms of pinpointing exactly what he's good at the guy just goes out there and he fights and he wins more often than not right some fights that he shouldn't win he goes out there and he wins um but what it comes down to is just his ability to fight to go out there and throw strikes and that's usually what his opponents are able to or what his opponents kind of succumb to is the pace, pressure, and the output that he continuously puts on them. He's a BJJ black belt, but we do, we really didn't even see him tackle uh, his grappling uh, advantage that he'd have over some of his opponents until his Reese McKee fight. You know, normally he just goes out there and swings leather, and he had decent enough power in his hands to put his opponents out, so good luck, good for him there, but for him to truly have success, I thought he'd need to get these guys to the ground and use his jiu-jitsu. However, he hasn't needed it and even here I don't think he'll need too much of it as I think he can go out there and put a pace and a pressure on Mickey Gall that Mickey will eventually falter to I think Mickey is riding high off that win over Jordan Williams but that's going to give him some false sense of confidence coming into this fight against Morono who's going to be a way tougher test and will give him much more issues as long as Morono's chin isn't completely cracked from that KS Williams knockout from almost two years ago now, I think he should be able to take whatever shots Mickey Gall is throwing at him and then just keep pressing forward using his uh, volume and his output to put it on Mickey Gall and then I think he can eventually break him. So there's two ways that I'm going about this fight or could go about this fight. 
I love Alex Morono's mighty line. You could even parlay him if you want, because I think he's that much better than Mickey Gall in this spot. However, the under two and a half at plus 160, plus 170 is not too bad of a spot either, because it could cover an early Mickey Gall uh, uh, club and sub, or even just a club. Um, or it could cover a Morono finish in the second or third round, as it as I do believe that Morono could break uh, Mickey Gall and then eventually find that finish in this fight. Um, Morono more often than not looks for the finish in his fight and is usually progressing to get that finish in his fights. And I think that's what's going to call Mickey Gall some, cause Mickey Gall some problems in this fight. So I really like Morono in this spot. Um, don't be surprised if I have a pretty solid wager on him here, but I do think he blows Mickey Gall out of the water. The only real a case of you know um risk or any threat that could potentially happen here is a possible early club and sub situation for Mickey Gall similar to what he was able to pull off against Jordan Williams so I like Mickey uh sorry I like Alex Moroni here uh, and I think he's going to get Gall out there via TKO in round three Brendan Allen versus Chris Curtis we got minus 345 for all in Allen and plus 285 for the action man Chris Curtis now Chris Curtis obviously riding high off of his UFC debut where he was getting touched up for three and a half minutes before finding that beautiful strike to put Phil Hawes on wobbly legs and then eventually follow up with some uh, strikes to get him out of there and notch his first ever UFC win in his first ever UFC fight however He's taking that confidence to another level now with taking another fight at middleweight, a weight class he probably shouldn't be fighting at. Uh, but I think that he'll come to that realization once he starts to deal with the size and uh, the style of Brendan Allen here. Now, Brendan Allen is a guy that I used to fade in the past as well, but I think he's really started to put his game together, especially since moving down there to Sanford MMA. His striking look career best in his last fight against Punahalo Soriano where he was able to rip body kicks over and over again really getting Soriano to react to them and then letting his hands go after that as well to get his uh you know to really sway the judges in his favor we're getting a similar situation here where he's going to be uh going up against another southpaw which opens up that body kick and I wouldn't be surprised if you see that over and over again in this fight he's really gonna have to use his kicks a lot to keep Chris Curtis on the outside as he's going to be the bigger fighter here I believe he has a six-inch six height advantage, and we've been seeing we've seen him obviously use his kicks very effectively. And I do think that we'll see it once again this weekend against the guy in Chris Curtis. And then when he needs to, if the fight does get into close quarters too much, I do think that that he has the wrestling ability to get this fight to the ground and get his jujitsu going, which is probably the bread and butter of his game when it really comes down to it. Uh, Chris Curtis, in my opinion, is KO or bust in this spot again. I think it, for him to have success, he has to let his hands go and close that distance, and then really, you know bite down on the mouthpiece and get his strikes going but if he's not able to land that that knockout i think he's going to get picked apart at distance and then eventually taken down and grinded out uh from on top as well i wouldn't be surprised if this looks like the magomed magomed karamov fight uh where you know uh, karamov was really able to keep him at bay with kicks and then land a couple takedowns when he needed to to really wear out and grind down chris curtis and i could see a similar situation happening here you know it's a great cinderella story for chris curtis to get into the ufc you know 30 plus fights into his MMA career, get that upset victory in his UFC debut, but the MMA gods are ruthless nonetheless, and they will remind Chris Curtis why he shouldn't be fighting at middleweight, and maybe he's just getting a little bit too ahead of himself, especially against a guy like Brendan Allen. Now, Allen, I, I, again, like I said, he's really panning out to be a great all-around fighter, but I do think that the potential that we saw from him in the LFA is now really starting to translate over to the UFC, and I think we should see him go out there and pick up his third straight victory this weekend. So uh, I'm going Brendan Allen. I really think that he could uh, put a hurting on Chris Curtis. Curtis, 
typically difficult to put away uh and i think that that would be ringing true this weekend as well uh which is why i'm going to be going with brandon allen to win this fight via decision leonardo santos versus clay guida we got minus 180 on santos and plus 160 on clay guida now leonardo santos obviously coming off that uh last second buzzer beater loss to grant dawson who was able to ground and pound him out with one second remaining on the clock however i thought he'd made a very good account of himself against a young up-and-comer like grant dawson in those first two rounds he was able to shuck off plenty of takedowns and really get his uh striking going from the distance a lot of his strikes coming from his kicks but he's very long and rangy when he throws his one two down the middle and he was definitely landing some good strikes on grand dawson getting the better of some positions as well i actually ended up looking it up on mma twitter and uh they did release the the judges scorecards for the first two rounds had this fight have gone to a decision and the judges actually had uh um uh grand dawson up uh two nothing on two scorecards and then it was one one on the other scorecard i thought leo leo santos had a good argument to win at least both those first two rounds to be honest it was a lot of him just shucking off takedowns and landing some good damage of from distance whereas grand dawson the only real offense that he was putting together was uh takedown uh, takedown attempts and not even completing them either so that was very interesting to me hilarious that leo santos is still having as much success as he has uh at this prime age of 42 years old or 41 i believe he's going to be 42 come uh, uh april of next year or february of next year sorry uh whereas uh, clay guido on the other hand four days after this fight he's going to be turning 40 years old so a couple old timers that we got here but i do really like leo santos in this fight as i just don't see where clay guido is going to beat him is he going to try to take him down yeah good luck doing that against a bjj black belt like leo santos i already know if you want to get into that realm not to mention the 89 percent takedown defense that leo santos boasts as well and then from range and the striking uh leo santos has that pop in his shots right it was hilarious he comes into the ufc as this bjj specialist yeah he's just deading dudes with his striking which a lot of people were, were surprised about uh but he's doing it pretty effectively the guy's long the guy's rangy and he really knows how to throw his power into that right hand once he put uh, throws it down the middle uh he's a switch stance fighter as well right like you'll see him fight southpaw you'll see him fight orthodox a lot of his center around opening up that body kick to his opponents and really just kind of keeping his range and just throwing that one two from distance um not often do you see him engage in the clinch and the grappling uh letting his bjj black belt go um which I find a little bit interesting, especially considering the style of fighter that he is. But he's having tremendous success in the striking. So, uh, you know, Clay Guida could have a small cardio advantage here. But what is that really going to do for him when, you know, if this fight stays in the striking, he's probably going to get kicked or he's probably going to get touched up down the middle with that uh, with that one too. And then in the grappling, good luck taking this guy down. And even when you, if you do take him down, you, you're not going to be better than him on the ground. So um, I guess the only thing really keeping me from hammering Leo Santos here is the fact that he's 40, almost 43 years old. Uh, you know, it, it's taken me a little while to finally accept the fact that, you know, betting somebody that's 40 plus years old, is probably not the best thing to do. But in this situation, it seems like it pretty obvious right uh, if clay guida had any shot i don't think that we'd see the line as wide as it is currently right now uh so at minus 180 i like leo santos man i think he goes out there and he finds a, a solid uh finish over um uh, a solid finish over Guida here and I saw the submission line around plus 300 I think that's a damn good spot I'm going to be uh you know making a pretty decent uh play on that uh line as I do think that we've seen Clay Guida when he does get into trouble he gives up submissions and I'm expecting the same thing here so uh, I think that we're going to see uh you know what let's fuck it 
I think this is going to be pretty much done within five minutes. I'm going to go uh, Leo Santos first round club and sub. Let's go Leo Santos. I think he has this one wrapped up pretty easily. Uh, and I think he'll be able to get Guido out there pretty quickly. So once again, round one submission for Leonardo Santos. Jimmy Crude versus Jamal Hill. We got minus 165 on Jimmy Crude and plus 145 on Jamal Hill. Now, it's very interesting to see Jamal Hill as an underdog because normally he's going out there and being a heavy favorite, minus 250, minus 300 in most of his fights, especially in his last fight against Paul Craig where, you know, uh, Paul Craig pulled guard i believe and then got his uh, arm tangled up and was able to just snap his arm it was, it was a very unfortunate loss for jamal hill that night um normally when jamal hill has success he's able to keep the fight vertical and, and really just pick his opponents apart from uh, uh from distance uh but when he is getting taken down uh, or on the ground things look a little bit fishy and i think a guy like jimmy crude could definitely put him in some bad positions here uh this could be a market overcorrection on uh, Jamal Hill's last fight. You know, I think that this could be uh, maybe people just being a little bit overzealous and thinking, oh, Jamal Hill is absolute dirt on the ground and Jimmy Cruz should be able to do, do some work here. My question marks here are more so Crute's ability to get this fight to the ground because if he's not able to, Jamal Hill is going to have tremendous success on the feet, picking him apart from there. If Jimmy Cruz's not able to ground this fight, I think that Jamal Hill wins the fight. I think that this is a fight that we should probably wait for the live betting because if Jimmy Crew wins, you know, he could possibly pull off a first-round sub, whatever, that's fine. But if he doesn't get that takedown on Jamal Hill, starts to reverse the, the tide and turn the tide and really get the stuff into his momentum uh, by, by landing the better strikes and keeping the fight vertical, then this is going to look a lot worse for Jimmy Crew than people expected it to. So I have no interest in betting this fight because I just want to see what kind of Jamal Hill we're going to be getting and what he actually has to deal with when he does get taken down because he hasn't fought somebody as tenacious as Jimmy Crude to get this fight to the ground, right? Paul Craig, again, had to pull guard to be able to pull off that submission, but Jimmy Crude, he should be able to ground this fight, but I just don't have the confidence to actually bet him at minus 165 here, nor am I willing to, uh, you know, jump on the market overcorrection of uh, Jamal Hill, who all of a sudden is, you know, a bad fighter. Uh, a lot of people had good potential on him, and I still believe he has potential. It all just comes down to stylistic matchups. I didn't think he'd end up on the ground with Paul Craig, but he did. I don't, I think uh, Jimmy Crew would get him to the ground, but will he? We don't know. <laughs> that that's my that's my concern here. I do think that crew will ground him. I just don't have enough confidence in his wrestling to pull the trigger myself. So uh my official prediction is gonna be Jimmy Crude by second round uh submission. Maybe you know what let's call it first round submission. Uh fight doesn't go to decision on minus three twenty-five could be parlayable, but my concern is if uh, Jamal Hill does keep this fight on the feet, does he overextend enough to actually get Jimmy Crude out of there, or is he just gonna point fight him on his way to a decision victory? I could see either outcome happening. I'm going to sit back and enjoy this fight as a fan. But as a predictor, you guys are coming to me for a prediction. I'm going to go Jimmy Crude for strong submission. Rafael Fazia versus Brad Riddell. This is a fantastic co-main event that we got for this card. Minus 120 for Fazia, plus 100 for Riddell. And I'm surprised that the money is continuing to come in on the Fazia side, who has been uh, guilty of having some hype tax on him over his last couple fights, uh, at least since the Mark D. Casey fight. But I'm glad that the people are giving respect to Riddell and making this, you know, as close to a pick and fight as you can. However, I do think that Riddell deserves to be the slight favorite in this spot now both guys are familiar with each other as they both used to train at tiger muay thai and then obviously once tiger used to uh, start to fall apart fiziev headed on over to american top team whereas riddell went down there to city kickboxing and was able to really round out his game down there 
Um, uh, Fiziev, very good with throwing combinations. A lot of his uh, offense coming from his kicks, especially to the body, which I think is very good for him. But he does seem to start to taper off the longer that fights go and that's the complete complete opposite of what brad riddell does brad riddell there are times where he digs himself into a hole in round one but after that he really starts to pick it up in round two and round three which leads me to believe that he should start to win uh the longer that this fight goes i think if there is a finish in this fight it probably comes from the brad riddell side right we've seen fiziev get dropped and actually finished by magomed mustafaev uh and i do think that riddell hits with tremendous power and he could put fiziev in trouble especially the later that this fight goes and we've seen the striking defense of fiziev and even the cardio start to drop off a lot especially that bobby green fight as well um Brad Riddell, uh, he's showing great takedowns and takedown defense as well, uh, you know, whether it's to bail him out of bad positions or even defensively speaking to get back to his feet and get back to his Muay Thai game, which is obviously the bread and butter of his game. Uh, I'd love to see a full MMA display here, but I do think that we'll see the majority of this fight take place in the striking realm where we'll see Fiziev have early success, but then as the fight starts to wear on, I think that we'll see Riddell start to take over. Um, I took a shot on Riddell at plus 110. I think it was a great spot. And I do, like I said earlier in this breakdown, I do think he deserves to be the slight favorite in this spot. Uh, I also think that Riddell has the potential to knock out Fiziev. Uh, Riddell by KO is sitting at plus 440. And Riddell even at round three is sitting at plus 2200, which I think is live in this spot considering how much Fiziev starts to slow down later in his fights. Um, I, I like... I like what Riddell brings to the table here. Again, he doesn't throw as many combinations as Fiziev does, but he waits and he's disciplined and patient enough to wait for his opening so that he can throw everything into his strikes and really hurt his opponents, whether it's to the head, to the body, or even some leg kicks. I like him defensively speaking as well. I think it's much more responsible than what Fiziev brings to the table, which is why I lean on the Riddell side for this fight. Uh, again, I think he's the better overall fighter here, and I do think he's making much more improvements than what Fiziev's showing. And even though Fiziev, again... He, likes to talk and he has a little bit of a, a media or social media personality about him i do think that brad riddell is the better fighter and i think it will show this weekend so i think that we'll see uh like i said fiziev went early and the riddell start to take over late won't count out riddell ko but my official prediction for this fight is going to be riddell by decision Time for the main event. We got a great bantamweight scrap here between Rob Font coming off his first ever main event slot where he's able to pick a victory over former bantamweight king Cody Garbrandt. He's going up against Jose Aldo, who's uh, coming off a career best performance against Pedro Munoz, and I say career best as he landed 114 significant strikes on Pedro Munoz that night in a three-round fight, which is hilarious considering the fact that in previous five-round fights, he's only been averaging about 77 significant strikes per fight. In terms of odds, we're looking at minus 140 for Rob Fon, plus 120 the return on the Brazilian legend uh, Jose Aldo. Now, I think the reason that we saw Jose Aldo go out there and land as many strikes as he did against Pedro Munoz was due to the style of Pedro Munoz. He moves forward with not much uh, regard for his striking defense and just tries to throw bombs, and that plays right into the game of Jose Aldo, who did a really good job in terms of picking him apart with combinations and then sticking and moving and getting out of the way of bad positions. However, we did see him take a pretty decent amount of time off in that third round as it did seem that that pace and that cardio was slowly starting to catch up with Jose Aldo however luckily enough for him Pedro Munoz was unable to manufacture any type of offense
against himself, which allowed Jose Aldo to come away with that decision victory. But again, he looked amazing in that fight. Great boxing combinations, great body work, and great movement. However, how is that going to translate to a five-round fight if he needs to go 25 minutes, especially against a guy like Rob Font? I think uh, Jose Aldo has a decent chance to go out there and finish this fight early, especially with the nasty body work that he's able to put on his opponents. Uh, and he could obviously open that up here against Rob Font. However, if he's not able to put him away with a, within those first two rounds, it's very difficult to muster up enough confidence to be like, Jose Aldo can win a five-round fight. He hasn't won a five-round fight since UFC 200 when he was able to beat Frankie Edgar and uh, come, away, come away with the undisputed featherweight trap once, or yeah, featherweight trap once again. Where he was able to beat him over five rounds however since then he's been unable to win a five-round fight and seems to get finished in rounds three or four or five of his fights as his cardio really starts to taper off and his opponents really start to uh bring it up in terms of the output volume and pressure that they start to put on jose aldo themselves Rob Font in his last couple of fights has been able to really uh, see an uptick in his uh, output uh, as rounds start to progress throughout his fights. And that's going to be very important for him here, especially to really make Jose Aldo work and, and exploit that gas tank. That seems to be an issue of Jose Aldo the more that fights seem to go on. Um, in the past, Rob Font has had difficulty dealing with guys that just move forward and throw heavy body shots and heavy strikes. However, I'd be very surprised if Jose Aldo is successful in doing that over 20 minutes or even 15 minutes to be able to secure a decision victory in this fight. Uh, I'm not 100% sold, sold on either guy, right? I think a lot of people might be thinking that Jose Aldo is rejuvenated and he's you know, a new version of himself and finally comfortable at 135 pounds. However, I think this fight against Rob Font will really be able to tell us whether that's true or not. And then on the Rob Font side of things, talk about a solid step up in competition, right? Cody Garbrandt really hasn't really been the same fighter since he got knocked out by TJ Dillashaw. And, uh, you know, he, Font has put, been able to put together some solid victories. However, this is going to be his tough ta toughest task to date. I think the best thing that benefits him here in this fight is the fact that it's five rounds. And if he's able to go out there and put on a, you know, stay safe in those first two rounds and to really start to pick it up with his, uh, you know, his boxing, his striking, his foot movement, uh, he should really be able to put up some numbers against Aldo and take away a judge's decision in this fight. I'm seeing a lot of people, you know, say that Font could possibly get him out of the, in the, in the fourth and fifth rounds, but I just don't don't think that font is going to overextend himself too much here to put himself in trouble against a guy like jose aldo looking for a finish i think he'll be fine with a, a masterpiece of a work uh in this fight to, to to win rounds three four and five and just outpoint and out uh volume jose aldo the longer that this fight goes um again it's very tough for me to fade the king of rio uh he's 35 years old uh, i think he still has a little bit left in the tank and if he does you know have as much in the tank left as i believe he does he should be able to beat a guy like rob font who again is coming into his career best form as well so uh the, the side for me is rob font here i can't pull the trigger myself but i do understand why people are betting both sides in this fight um it's just not enough for me to to, to pull the trigger i want to see if jose aldo is really back or if rob font is really the goods if he can get a scalp like jose aldo on his belt here i am going to go with rob font uh, like I said, I think he picks it up later that this fight goes, and I think he takes this home via decision.
And those are the breakdowns. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. If you haven't already, make sure you guys hit that like, hit that subscribe. That's the best way to show your boys some support. And you may have noticed a couple of different graphics if you guys are watching the podcast. Uh, a little bit of a difference in the graphics. I wanted to expedite my time a little bit more rather than having to spend all that time making up the graphics. Again, one man show over here. So I'm trying to make it look, look still look nice, but uh, with a little bit, a little less information so I don't have to, uh, you know, slave myself trying to put all this information together for you guys for one little small part of the podcast so i hope you guys enjoy the, the look of the podcast still but audio wise everything is still the same appreciate you guys with the support again check out the patreon if you guys want to support your boy five bucks a month gets you a ton of great content not to mention the cool bet as well shout out to my guys over that cool bet make sure you guys use promo code mmalotn2 and they'll match your initial deposit up to 200 bucks all right UFC Vegas 44, let's try to get this money this weekend so we can parlay that shit into UFC 269 next weekend, which is a big pay-per-view, a lot of great fights, a lot of great betting opportunities as well that I can't wait to dig into for you guys. But for now, UFC Vegas 44, let's try to get this money this weekend. Good luck on your bets, and I'll see you guys next week.